Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. There's a lot going on today as we get into our crossover edition. The week is moving quick. We're already to Wednesday, so I want to really start to try to get us prepared for what's coming with the Denver Broncos. I still have a couple things to get out. Obviously, did not get out all 22 notes. I'll get those posted tomorrow by lunchtime, I hope. Life happens. want to have those out because I think those insights are valuable to, to sort of decipher what happened against the Cardinals to see if it gets fixed against the Broncos. We broke down on the Twitch channel. You can find the stream replay on my Twitter timeline. Okay. We broke down quarterback play with Mark Schofield. We broke down O-line play with Kyle Murphy. And then we had in the last half hour, John Stephenson come on to talk about the defense and pick some plays there that were standout plays. Okay. So check that out if you would like. It's two hours. It's a lot, but there's a lot of insights in there that I think are valuable. As the week progresses here, Two days before the game, Odell Beckham, who's dealing with an AC joint sprain, did not practice again. Nick Chubb ruled out, not going to play in the game Thursday. Dearness Johnson will get the start. Jack Conklin still didn't practice. I don't know if the Browns are going to mend their do not practice, you do not play stuff as we get closer to this game. We'll see. I mean, it's a weird short week. I don't know what they'll do. A.J. Green, shoulder groin once again, did not practice. Doesn't seem like he's trending in being a game day active. Treader again with the knee that he seems to always miss practice for. The day Treader doesn't play, it'll be huge news. He plays all the time. And then Jed Will still did not practice. On the limited side, Clowney with three designations, ankle, chest, and knee, limited. Uh, Jordan Elliott, limited. Uh, Malik Jackson with a knee, limited. Baker, left shoulder, the big news of the day. I don't know, man. I don't have an opinion on it anymore. He got really defensive, it felt like, at times today, talking about how He's not, you know, if he thinks it was hurting the team, he would make that decision. It's his body. He knows it best. He'll tell you if he's able to play. And if he's able to play, he's going to go, which I guess with Kevin Stefanski, if they're in line on that, that's fine. The, the humidity today, there's a full labrum tear going on in there. I don't know. Whatever, man. To each their own on this, you can have your opinion on it. I just think based on how he's playing, if his mental is impacting the physical, and it's, I don't know. I'm not even going to waste any more words on it. If you're so hurt that it's impacting your play the way I think it has to be impacting Baker's play, he shouldn't be playing anymore. But if he wants to tough it out, go that route. The Browns want to keep playing him. Those guys can make that decision. That's fine. I'm just going to evaluate what is put on tape. He appears to be playing. He was limited today. Uh, but back to the limited side of things. David Njoku's still limited with the knee. Malcolm Smith actually back at practice. A good sign with JOK and Kareem Hunt both going to the IR. Malcolm Smith would be a nice player to have in this game. He was limited in practice. We'll see if he plays. And then Mac Wilson with a calf limited two straight days. Back to full practice. Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward are full this week. Greg Newsom is a full participant. McKinley, Tack McKinley was a full participant. It's good to see Malik McDowell. On the injured list, but full practice. Miles uh, Garrett, two straight full practices. So that's your injured list. On the Broncos side, uh, uh, players of note. Baron Browning doesn't seem like he's trending toward playing. Shelby Harris, uh, sorry, he's full. Uh, that's it. I mean, that's really uh, Justin Simmons has got a 
hand designation peaceful, but for the most part, if Teddy Bridgewater plays, he was limited two straight days with the foot. That's the only one to really pay attention to. Noah Fant seems like he's going to play. Melvin Gordon was a full participant. He's going to play. It's if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't go and if they have to play the backup, okay? We'll see what happens if they have to play Drew Locke. But for now, I presume that Teddy Bridgewater is going to play in this game, and the injury report list is quite different between the two teams. We've talked about Baker. Seems like he's going to play. We'll keep tracking it. Other little newsworthy notes. Uh, Von Miller seems to claim that he will kill the Browns' tackles by Thursday. That's his plan. I don't know who's going to start a tackle, but I'm going to kill him. I think that's a sign to me that the defense in Denver is pretty frustrated with what's going on there uh, from the offense, and they feel like they have to do more, 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 which is, again, starts to become a mental burden on Denver. So we'll see how that pans out. The Browns should provide more, more, more help to whoever Von Miller lines up over because they will need it. He is back to playing really good football, and he's extremely dangerous. So like we said, Nick Chubb will not be in this game. He's ruled out again. We'll see if he plays in pits against Pittsburgh. On the 31st, uh, we we know that Kareem Hunt will be at a minimum of three weeks. So Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton, John Kelly signed from the practice squad. Here's your opportunity in the NFL. Some guys never get it. Here's your opportunity to get a lot of carries. The Browns will still try to run the football. So, like I said, this is your chance. Some guys never get. Take advantage of it, and we'll see who steps up to the plate and plays well. Otherwise, things of note, that's about it. That's about it. I thought there was an interesting Malik Jackson quote in this game. Or sorry, in the it's not a game, Jake. We're not there yet. There was an interesting Malik Jackson quote that I think maybe got taken out of context where it was a conversation about being prepared for Thursday. I even took the quote as interesting because he was talking about guys not treating the NFL as a nine to five. It's more than that. It's a think about it all the time while you're driving home, while you're eating. If you're out on a date with a girl, you got to be thinking about the NFL. We'll see, right? So I thought I thought that was taken a little bit out of context. So if you listen to the question and the answer, it makes a little bit more sense. I think people thought like, hey, he's taking a shot at somebody. Who is it? Well, maybe not. Uh, Stefanski talking about with Baker. He said, with Baker, with all of our players, they have significant input in these decisions because it's their body. I rely on what they say, and I rely on what the medical staff has to say when making those determinations. He said, when asked about the medical personnel, if they've advised Mayfield to sit out, Stefanski said, I don't think we're far enough into the week to make that call. So there's still... Some gray area, but as of now, it seems like, you know, Baker saying, only I know how my body feels, and if anyone questions whether I'm hindering the team, I'm going out there injured, that's just not right, so it's my decision. I get to say whether I'm able to play or not, that's just how it is. So, that's the note. We think as of now, Baker's going to play, Jarvis Landry practice today, we'll see if he gets activated, don't know much else, right? We'll see what happens there with quarterback. We've got some decisions to be made. Tomorrow's a very important day in the progress of all these guys to see who's on track to play and who is not. We are going to bring on from Denver. Okay, covers the Broncos for cover two. Joe Rolls, he's at Joe Rowe, J-O-R-O underscore NFL. You should follow him. He talks Broncos for the cover two Broncos podcast senior writer, Mile High Report. He's got everything you need on the Denver Broncos. All the insights, covers offense, defense, coaching staff, all of it. Let's get over to that interview right now with Joe Rolls. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcoming in Joe Rolls. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Listen, it's a battle of three and three teams who I think feel like their back is against the wall. It is, uh, you know, different circumstances, I think, for both sides, which we'll cover uh, here in a little bit. But I definitely feel like both teams should have an equal amount of we got to win this football game. You cannot come off the losing streak. Well, Denver was 3-0. They've lost three in a row, right? So Cleveland's lost two in a row now. Both teams don't want to go into this mini bye week coming up with another loss and drop out uh, further because they're both. I think Denver's in the playoffs right now. If they were to start today, Cleveland's on the outside looking in. It's really weird at three, three and three. But nonetheless, Joe, enlighten us with where Denver's gone to start the year. What's caused the three game skid? As kind of best you can to, to give us yeah. what what's happened this year. Uh, so I mean the the first three games of the year, Denver went you know three zero in part because they played against the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars. Uh, all three teams have looked pretty hapless most of the season. And then the last three games, the Broncos drew the, the Ravens. I think no shame in losing to them. They're, they look like probably a Super Bowl contender. But then the last two weeks, they lost the Steelers, kind of helped Big Ben get back off the schneid. And then dropping the game against the Raiders on Sunday, pretty close to inexcusable for, I think, most of Broncos country, given all the turmoil in Las Vegas at the moment. Um Big thing is the defense has just not been anywhere near as good as people kind of thought going into the season. And both the third down and red zone offense have kind of really slipped in the last three weeks. Uh, and then against the Raiders, Teddy Bridgewater probably had his worst game of the season. It, you talk about two games where, ironically, two teams that you think, like, there's no reason for Arizona to travel west to east without their head coach missing important pieces and come into cleveland and win as comfortably as they did there's no excuse for that sounds pretty similar to the turmoil oakland went through denver should not lose that game but it's a motivation business and sometimes those rallying factors help teams so we'll see if either of these teams can now rally out of their own muck and sort of break the mold here we got to talk about i want to i want to ask about vic vangio what are we year three of vic now out in denver or is it year four it's year three this is year three. He okay. was hired in 2019. Where's everyone sit with him? Like, what's the what's the vibe around him? I've seen some things you've thrown up on Twitter where it's like uh, talking about some potential future coaches. So I just kind of wanted to gather where everyone sort of is right now. Uh, so I mean, I'm I'm willing to kind of you know see how the year plays out because it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me to fire anybody right now because you're not really going to fix anything right now. Uh, but I think 
more more people in Broncos country are out on Fangio at this point than are in. Uh, What's caused kinda, that? Like, that's my big question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the big thing this year is just the defense. The way the defense has really fallen off. Um, for me personally, the last two years, I've been willing to kind of give him a little bit of a little bit of a pass just because the quarterback situation in Denver has been so shaky that you don't really get a really good feel that like he even had a, a fair shot last year. Uh, but now that Teddy Bridgewater is on board and again, I know Bridgewater is not a world beater, but he's a competent NFL quarterback and the injuries on defense are starting to mount. But for most of the season so far, they've been relatively healthy outside of Bradley Chubb and they're the most expensive defense in football and they have not played up to it at all. Um, and Fangio is supposed to be this defensive expert. So I think most fans are kind of at this point where they've kind of had issues with the clock management, with the game management for the whole time, like since 2019. But up until now, they've kind of given him a, well, the defense has been pretty good, better than, you know, you'd expect given all the injuries this year. That's not the case. The clock management game management still an issue. So at this point, he's kind of running out of string. It's just it's amazing how quickly these things go and how quickly they yeah. turn and it's it's no different. You're 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 saying things that are similar to some franchises feel around the NFL. And listen, there are people that as <laughs> the Browns slip here and and you could justify the slips pretty easily for Cleveland that are you know they're starting to say stuff about Stefanski and it's like okay all right uh, I feel pretty good about where Cleveland is coaching staff wise for the most part. There's some moving parts there that could move, but like you know, they've gotten it right here, and then there's people that are just uncomfortable. It's it's just the NFL moves at a pace. I think it's probably because there are these weekly caps. Like you build up, you build up, you build up game. You talk about the game, talk about the game, talk about the game, overreact game. It's just like it's the weirdest thing. You don't see it happen quite like that in other sports because there's always a way to forget about it. The next game is two days away or baseball. It's the next day or it's just football's unique in that sense. So it'll be important to pay attention to Fangio because if things slide, which could happen, it could happen. They could come out of this or it could happen. His name will be one that will be thrown around to, to potentially move on. And it seems like everybody's paying attention to the younger minds, the younger head coaches. And that's where, you know, the Brandon Staley's and the Stefanski's of the world are kind of doing that, right? They're pushing people toward those younger guys who are, are moving forward with different thought process. And, Probably Fangio's fate is tied to the quarterback play. You know, if Teddy can can he's been I'll let you answer. I mean, you're here to you're the expert, my friend. Answer it. Talk about he won the job over Drew. He seems to have started pretty well. Is it fading a little bit here? Is is he okay to start this weekend? Could we see Drew Lock sorry, Thursday? Could we see Drew Lock in that game? What do you think? So, I mean, I've been pretty happy with Teddy Bridgewater through the first five games of the year. I would say that he's played better than I dared even kind of hope for. Uh, there's issues. Uh, the Broncos red zone offense especially has been kind of problematic, and Bridgewater has played a part in that. But overall, the efficiency on offense has been the best it's been since Peyton Manning retired. So I'm I'm not of the mind that, you know, Bridgewater's necessarily been the problem. Uh, things kind of fell out of the bottom of the bag in the Vegas game in part because he was just under pressure so much. Uh, Gus Bradley definitely tightened up the, the screws on the underneath stuff and really pushed the Broncos to have to try and go deep. Uh, Shermer also dialed up a lot of that. Uh, the injuries to Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler have really limited what the Broncos have in the wide receiver core, which hasn't stopped them from going with 11 personnel quite a bit. Um, the last three games, it's up near 70% of the time, even though they have more healthy tight ends than proven receivers at the moment. 
Uh, so that's a part of it. But Bridgewater in this last game, I mean, the the mistakes are they mounted for sure. And the big thing that's kind of worth noting that's going to be worth keeping up with going ahead of this game is the fact that he did injure his foot. Um, limited participant or would have been a limited participant yesterday's practice. My understanding is he's a limited participant practice on Tuesday and they're expecting him to play as of now. But every beat reporter has made note of the fact that when even when Bridgewater's walking to the podium for press conferences, he's limping. Uh, it's a big deal just because Bridgewater, when Bridgewater was traded to the Broncos in the offseason, he admitted that last year he got hurt in the second Tampa Bay game with the Carolina Panthers. And he tried to play through an injury that he said he should have shut down the season for. And if you go back and look at Bridgewater's performance in terms of like the numbers, it fell off a cliff after that, after that Buccaneers game. So if he's limited because of his foot injury and can't, you know, duck around in the pocket and isn't able to escape the pocket. And even if it messes up his mechanics like that, that's going to be a big deal just because, Bridgewater has been a big part of making the Broncos pass protection look better than it really has performed. He's done a really good job of kind of moving around, you know, the the phone booth movements in the pocket to keep plays alive. Well, if he's not able to do that, he's a sitting duck and the Broncos pass protection is really disappointed this year. So that's going to be a big deal if Miles Garrett's playing. I think you're going to see most of the Browns' core of the defense. JOK is out, which sucks because, as you mentioned today on Twitter, he's playing really good football. He's been playing really well. Really late injury, too, which is crummy late in a game that was well decided. But for the most part, you're going to get most of Cleveland's best defensively because they know they have to play the way the offense is so beat up right now. So let's talk. We'll we'll get to the skill. We'll get back to the running back wide receivers in a minute. But you mentioned the O-line struggling. Uh, talk talk about those five that are probably going to play and, and where, they, where they've been this year. So Garrett Bowles has kind of taken a step back after the All-Pro season last year. Um, and I think anybody who really watched his tape last year isn't really surprised just because Garrett Bowles had a really good season in part because there wasn't an emphasis on calling holding. And Garrett Bowles is still kind of having some issues in terms of like landing his punches, keeping consistently in front of people and not reaching with his hands. Um, That has showed up in the Giants game that showed up a little bit in the Jaguars game, the Baltimore game and the Steelers game and all three, all four of those games. Like he had some issues. Uh, The Raiders game was mostly okay, but yeah, he's him against Miles Garrett makes me pretty nervous. Uh, the Broncos did sign Bobby Massey after Juwan James injury right after the NFL draft. Bobby Massey's a probably a, right around a league average right tackle, probably a, maybe a little bit below average, uh, but still probably the Broncos best right tackle they've had since since at least Billy Turner in 2018. Um, but he can be beat. Uh, he's tall and long, but he doesn't always play to his size. And when pass rushers can meet his length and get into his frame, He's not very strong and he gives up the leverage battle because he's so tall, which means that he can get he can get got pretty, pretty easily if you can get inside. Um, In terms of the interior line, though, that's where a lot of the Broncos issues are really kind of cropping up in a big way. Dalton Reisner is having a pretty down third season. He's a good run blocker, um, still a good run blocker, but his issues in pass protection are, are really starting to crop up in a way that you can't really ignore him anymore. Um, He has issues with quickness um, and I. If Jadavian Clowney is playing, I expect Clowney to have a lot of success rushing against Reisner if that's what they do, uh, just because 
he can he'll overstep and then he doesn't have the foot quickness to really recover in time. Yeah. Um, and teams since he's come in the league, he's had issues when teams have run stunts with a looper coming back at him doing that. He's had issues when teams have moved like uh, the Tennessee game last year. Jadavion Clowney actually got him that way doing the same thing. Um, and it's it's a quickness issue. And one of the problems that makes it worse is next to Reisner on the on the right is Lloyd Cushenberry. And Lloyd Cushenberry last year was probably the worst center in football, uh, last worst starting center in football. And he's improved a little bit, but he just he doesn't have the anchor. He doesn't have the play strength to really like I, I think by season's end, the Broncos will probably try and figure out something else to do at that position. I'm I could be wrong, but it looks like it's heading that way. Um, and then in terms of the right guard situation, Graham Glasgow has been pretty solid. Um, he has been injured. Um, he should be playing in this game from the looks of it. But he had a heart issue uh, that knocked him out of the Jaguars game. Wasn't really close to 100% in the Jets game. And then he missed the Baltimore game. But when he's played since, he looks okay. His anchor is quite good. Um, good hands. Not necessarily uh, not exciting by any means. But he's a steady veteran. Uh, for the most part, but uh, exasperating those issues, I think, is the play calls. Um, the fact is the Broncos go with a lot of deep shot plays. Um, and one of the things that Shermer has been trying to do to kind of give Teddy Bridgewater time on those plays is he's dialing up six or seven man protections uh, that showed up a decent bit in the last couple games. The problem is, obviously, like when you're keeping that many people in, it doesn't necessarily fix things if the receivers aren't getting open. Because then Bridgewater's just hanging in the pocket waiting for something anyway, or he has to scramble. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of been the perfect storm. I feel that. is is would kind of tie, you know, because the Browns are, they're down tackles and, and they're doing the same things. They're trying to chip. They're trying to chip tight wide receivers. They're trying to chip tight ends. They're trying to chip running backs. And that means you only have so many options downfield. And if you can't create those opportunities, and even when the Browns have created some opportunities, the quarterback hasn't been hitting them enough. So that's a whole other discussion about where Cleveland is, but it's a similar struggle. And and I would imagine they're doing the same with tight ends. Noah Fant's probably doing a lot of that and trying to find his way out on routes. Is he the focal tight end? Do you guys get into many 12 personnel sets or 13s to, to play the others who are talk about the tight ends? And then do talk about the wide receivers too, because I think you're still talking about Hamler and Judy are still hurt. Then you, So who are they really bringing? Who are they focusing on? Yeah. Uh, early in the season, uh, preseason, and then through the first three weeks of the season, Shermer was actually really surprising me because the Broncos were going with so much heavy personnel. They were, I want to say they were running 13 personnel at the second highest rate in the league at one point. Uh, they were running a lot of 12 and it made sense. They had Alberto and Noah Fant. And then the Broncos actually signed Eric Saubert from the Jaguars, uh, over the off season. He's been quietly, probably one of the better third tight ends in football, um, better blocker than receiver, but he's a Solid uh, tertiary receiver, um, capable, you know, capable hands. Um, but yeah, sent, and this is what's one of the reasons why I've been so critical of Shermer is since the Jerry Judy and Hamler injuries, the Broncos have actually gone towards more 11, um, which is really weird because when they first did it, the third receiver was either Kendall Hinton, who had just signed off the practice squad, Deontay Spencer, who's a return specialist. Um, five, five, eight, 160 pounds. So, I mean, he's limited clearly. Um, and then they had signed David Moore from the Raiders practice squad the Tuesday before the Ravens game. And those were their three receivers in that game in terms of beyond Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton. And what has been kind of the case with the way it's all played out is the Broncos play a lot of 11. 
Noah Fant will be on the field the most when they're doing that because Noah Fant doesn't leave very often. Fant is a much better receiver than blockers. So when he's been asked to chip, like there's issues because he's not very good at it. And he's definitely not very good as a run blocker, which again, if the Broncos ask him to block against like Miles Garrett or something like that, it's going to be a big win for the, for the Browns. Uh, but when they do drop back to pass, Teddy Bridgewater is leaning almost exclusively on Cortland Sutton Tim Patrick to get open. So let's talk running back too, because it's Melvin Gordon. I, I, how is Javante Williams the rookie looked? Are they doing anything different with that group? Is there any 21 personnel? Do they get the fullback involved? We'll kind of close the offense on that. And then what you expect to see out of them uh, Thursday night as a means to try to give Cleveland some trouble too. So... Starting in the Ravens game and since, the Broncos have started to activate Andrew Beck. Andrew Beck is listed as a fullback. He's more of a tight end, H-back type. Uh, but he plays a little bit of both. But the Broncos have mixed in a little bit more 22 and a little bit more 21. Um, it's still pretty minimal. Shermer doesn't usually lean on 21, um, doesn't really use a fullback. That's actually why the trade for Andy Janovich originally happened, is when Shermer was hired, they just didn't have a reason to keep him. Um but as far as the running backs go, it's basically a 50-50 timeshare in the backfield. On um, one drive, you'll see Melvin Gordon. Next drive, you'll see Javante Williams. And unless the drive ends up going for a while, it's pretty much the back that's out there is the back that's going to stay out there. Uh, Melvin Gordon is basically who he's always been. Good vision, good contact balance, probably about solid explosiveness, good hands, good blocker. Um, he's consistent, but he's not necessarily exciting at this point. Uh, Javante Williams is exciting and fans want to see more of him. Um, I would say he's good for probably one like spectacular play a game just because he's, he's very explosive and he has elite contact balance, uh, good pass protector, good hands. And Shermer doesn't really ask his running backs to run anything special in terms of routes. Most of it, and I would say like 99% of it is out of the backfield, just, checkdowns, swings, stuff like that. Um, every once in a while, he'll split somebody out, but usually it's just to help the quarterback ID. Um, they'll run, a, they'll probably run goes or hitches if they're doing it. Um, and Williams is capable of all of that. The big issue with Javante Williams as of right now, and, I, and I've and i sounded probably hypercritical of him because of it, because I know he's a rookie, but uh, coming out of UNC, he had issues with his vision in terms of his decision-making and just, it showed up a lot on inside zone and outside zone just because you have to make, you know, the, the checks off of that to know where to go with the ball. And Williams has been inconsistent with that, which if you look at his yards per carry, it's hard to see it at first. But if you take out his long runs from each game, he's averaging something like 2.8 or three yards a carry right now. And uh, just it's it's boomer bust with him right now. And it's showing up in a bad way because it's, it's leading the Broncos to a lot of second and long and third and longs when they run the ball in first. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Good stuff on the offense right there, collectively looking at uh, sort of where they're struggling because, listen, um, Cleveland's Cleveland's on the struggle bus too, and uh, this could be a really, really low-scoring game. I think both defenses have a chance to make steps back in the right direction. Cleveland has had two great games this year and three 
uh, I think it's three pretty terrible performances. We only play, have they played six weeks, so they've had sorry four terrible performances and two really really good ones. They've been on wide ends of the spectrum. Two lately have been pretty bad. So let's switch to what Denver brings in because I think personnel wise it's still pretty good, right? Like you know they're maybe not playing well, but pretty good. Talk about the group up front, obviously led by Von Miller. You know Chubb is out; he's done for the year, but they're still really talented. Draymond Jones has made nice strides. Talk about him. I mean, Von Miller looks like Von Miller, uh, and I, I'm actually really, really looking to see who starts a tackle for you guys just because if Von is against James Hudson or Alex Taylor, it could be like Bad. a shark seeing chum in the water. Yeah. It, it could be like that. Um, and Von basically at his presser today said as much as that he's putting it on himself to try and spark something because the defense needs to kind of come alive. Um, as far as the rest of the defensive line and the front, uh, Draymond Jones is probably the best defensive lineman on the Broncos at this point. I know the stats are the stats are kind of weird right now because the Broncos aren't creating a lot of sacks outside of Miller. Uh, but Draymond Jones's burst off the snap has been a problem for the last three guards he's played. And then in the Jets game, it was comical to watch it. Um, very good hands, uh, good pass rush plan, has a good repertoire of what he's going to do. Um, so he does a good job getting past guys. Uh, and Fangio does a really nice job mixing up tackle and stunts with him to get either Miller or him free. Uh, beside them, if the Broncos are in their base personnel and against, you know, if you guys are running a lot of 21, 22 and 12, that's what they'll probably do. Uh, you'll see a lot of Mike Purcell, Mike Purcell, pretty good nose tackle. Again, you're probably not going to hear much about him. He's quick, um, pretty stout at the point of attack. He can withstand and probably stalemate most doubles. Uh, not much of a pass rusher, but he's, you know, if you're running zone plays, he could be a problem just because he does a good job crossing face. Uh, beside them, so as you're moving, you know, over to the right, uh, Shelby Harris just got paid this last season. I would say right now he's kind of been a disappointment. Um, not because I think he's a bad player by any means, but just he hasn't been the, the same productive player that he has been the last two seasons under Fangio. Does a really good job with gap and a half stuff. Um, he's a decent gap shooter. Good hands. Does a really nice job getting his hands into passing lanes, which could be a big deal against Baker Mayfield or Case Keenum because neither one of them are especially tall. Uh, but he just he hasn't been getting into the backfield to create sacks right now. Um, and then the last player that'll probably be a starting member of the you know of the defensive line is uh, Malik Reed. And Malik Reed, not a household name, but he's played a lot because Von Miller and Bradley Chubb have both been hurt. Uh, Reed is a little bit undersized. He'll have issues with double teams. Um, he's not necessarily a player who's going to consistently create wins against better tackles in one-on-one situations, but he's good on stunts. He's really fluid in space. He's probably the Broncos best like coverage edge player. Um, very, very good hustle. Um, good pass rush repertoire. I like him a lot, um, but just doesn't have the same like overall play strength that Chubb does. Doesn't have quite the same explosiveness Chubb or Bond do. Um, and it kind of shows up. The, the big issue with the Chubb injury, actually, for the Broncos that has shown up, you know, in each and every game is the fact that their depth on the edge is Jonathan Cooper, Andre Mintz, or uh, Patrick. And I want to say it's Aaron, yeah, Aaron Patrick, who they signed off the practice squad of the Jaguars a couple weeks ago. Um, all three of them are late round or undrafted players, um, and they've been playing about 12 to t- probably about 12 to 15 snaps each game. And when they come on, there's just there's no pressure from the edges. 
the linebacker group, not a ton of recognizable names. There are two Ohio State names that everybody in Ohio here will know, you know, with between Baron Browning and Jonathan Cooper, but I don't know the role those guys are playing. Yeah. So I, who, who are the inside guys in this Fangio guy, uh, group? Yeah, so Baron Browning won't play, is my understanding right now. He has a concussion. Uh, I want to say yesterday they, they ruled him out. Um, and that's a huge deal just because Alexander Johnson just suffered a season-ending pec injury, and Josie Jewell suffered a season-ending pec injury right during the Jaguars game. So the Broncos linebacker core at this point is about as scary as it can get. Uh, Justin Cernad missed all of last season with a wrist injury, and he's going to be making his fifth start on Thursday. And then beside him is Micah Kaiser. Uh, the Broncos signed Micah Kaiser off of the Rams practice squad at the very end of September. So he's been with the Broncos for about three weeks and now he's in the starting lineup behind them on the depth chart with it. You know, so if either one of them gets hurt during the game and with a Thursday night game that there is a decent likelihood, something like that might happen uh, behind them though. It's, it's rookie undrafted free agent, Curtis Robinson, Barrington Wade, who spent time on the Ravens practice squad uh, last year and then was on, is on the Broncos practice squad right now. Or, uh, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name right, but it's Pita Tom- Tomopeo, uh, who was with the Broncos during training camp, got cut, is now on their practice squad. I assume one of either Wade or Pita will get activated for this game because right now the only backup is Robinson. Tough times a linebacker. Browns will be in the same boat. They're going to miss, like I said earlier, JOK. They're going to be missing... Uh, Malcolm Smith too so they might get creative I'll be interesting to see if the Broncos try to get creative as we just had an Amazon package delivered apparently uh, they'll try to get creative as well in the in the secondary you know the decision to draft Patrick Sertan the second was controversial you probably talked about it 75,000 hours this offseason is it paying off to pass up on Justin Fields and take him is he playing well or is he not playing at all like where's he at where's the secondary Look like I know they added Kyle Fuller. Justin Simmons is as good as it gets back there too. So just kind of fill us in on that group. So there's kind of there's kind of two parts to that. The first the first question. Um, in terms of Patrick Sertan himself, he last game was his first game inserted as the left corner. Uh, he took over for Kyle Fuller. Uh, he had been playing in place of Ronald Darby, who was out with a hamstring injury. But now that Darby's back, Broncos benched Kyle Fuller. Um, to put Sertan in and I mean he's having some rookie plays here and there like he's giving up a couple things here and there but by and large you see the skill set you see why he was a top 10 cornerback and I understand the the rationale behind deciding on him um, because if George Payton doesn't believe that Justin Fields was going to be a franchise quarterback taking a corner like Sertan makes sense and again like not to get too bogged down my issue is the Broncos are three and three. If they lose this game and they kind of start to skid, they're at a situation where they have a veteran quarterback who's on a one year contract. And then drew Locke, who looks like a failed second round pick behind him ahead of, you know, what might be the worst quarterback class in the last decade. Um, so that's kind of an issue with passing on Justin Fields, but you know, that won't matter for Thursday. Uh, but Sertans look good. Um, the rest of the Broncos secondary has been kind of underperforming. Uh, and that's, it's one of those things that's going to be really interesting to see in this game, just because with the injuries to linebacker, uh, the Broncos through camp are doing a lot of dime personnel, but it doesn't necessarily make sense to go with a lot of dime in this game, just because the Browns will probably come out in heavier personnel sets to combat that. Um, so that's like going to be an X factor to keep an eye on. But in terms of when the Broncos are coming out in their nickel, 
They'll start with Ronald Darby out on the right corner. Ronald Darby's when he's been playing, he's been pretty decent outside of a few bad plays in the Raiders game. Uh, inside is Bryce Callahan, who until the Raiders game looked like the Broncos best corner this year. And if you guys remember, and it's okay if you don't last year before he got hurt, he looked like an all pro um, in terms of matchups though. He's, he's about five, nine, 180 pounds. So like there is a potential size mismatch that can get taken advantage of. Um, and then Kyle Fuller didn't even come on in the Broncos dime personnel last week. It was rookie Caden Stearns, who's a safety. So I, I would expect Kyle Fuller not to play unless there's an injury. Um, and then behind them is Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. Going into the season, I would have told you that they were probably the best safety group in the league just because Simmons is arguably the best safety in football. And Kareem Jackson's quietly been one of the better safeties for, for a couple years now. But yeah, they, they've given up some big plays. Um, there's been miscommunications. And uh, I mean, the other thing to keep in mind with this, and we don't really know until we know, uh, Justin Simmons' wife, Taryn, is pregnant. And actually, she's due uh, any day now. And Simmons actually at the press conference today did admit that if Taryn goes into labor Thursday, his family comes first. So he might not even play. Peculiar. I mean, first of all, hope it goes well for him and the yeah, family. Um, same. It's, it's, you know, these two franchises are weirdly in sync this year because the Brown safeties who have been a perceived strength between signing John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison's arrival and Grant Delpit coming back have been a weakness. They've been bad. They've been the root of two straight weeks of communication breakdowns for touchdowns. And something's got to give, Joe. Something's got to give in this game. We'll see which team gives, or maybe they'll just give back and forth to each other, and the last team to give gets it. You know, I'm not sure. Where do you where do you sort of think this one goes? I'll give it to you the last question here as we close, sort of summarizing where you think this one can go. So one aspect of the game that I'm, I'm kind of have an eye on is special teams, just because the Broncos special teams is one of the worst in football and it has been for a few years now. So like, that's also an X factor to kind of keep an eye on. I know most of us are saying, and they, you know, we go to our bathrooms, take a break, get some snacks during punts, kickoff, stuff like that. <laughs> but that could be a game changing play in yeah. the Broncos game. So just kind of for listeners, keep an eye on that. But I mean, I think this game is going to come down to desperation and health. Uh, I think the availability is going to really change how the matchups look um, and then who can play well through pain uh, because basically everybody is banged up and it's a short week. So there's not a lot of opportunities to heal. Um, I want to say that I believe the Broncos are going to figure out a way to pull this out just because the Browns injury situation on offense is, I mean, it's, it's worse than the Broncos. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping they figure out a way to capitalize, but I, I have very little faith in Shermer at this point, uh, and my faith in, in Fangio is shaking quite a bit. Um, I will say that if the Broncos win, it's going to be really close. I think the same for Cleveland. I think this has a chance to swing either team's season because if you lose it, you start getting not just seven days of questions, but you get ten days of questions, and you get ten days of we're three and four, and the world feels like it's collapsing on top of us. So it is a... It's a huge must win. Listen, Joe, I know that the listeners of this pod really appreciate when guests from another team take the time to talk about them in depth like this because we can't get it anywhere else. So huge thank you to you. Remind everybody on your way out here where they can find your work if they would like to look up some more on the Broncos. Uh, so I write over at Mile High Report, uh, and then I'm actually hoping to have a pretty special guest on my podcast, Cover 2 Broncos, tomorrow. It will drop on Thursday, so you'll have basically right up to date on the game as it's happening. 
Awesome, man. Thank you, Joe, so, so much for this. All right, big thank you to Joe for joining today. I should say, too, as he pointed out there, the linebacker room for Denver is a, a bit in shambles. And they're missing some players, some Jerry, Judy. You know, they got guys on the IR that are not on the injured report. How the Browns can take advantage of what is a pretty bad linebacker group from from Denver should be one of the more interesting storylines to monitor in this game. You know, he even messaged me and was talking about how the Broncos are promoting Barrington Wade to the 53-man roster. Curtis Robinson is a practice squad linebacker to get promotion. So they're digging. They're trying to figure out linebackers. They're dealing with injuries there. So one small glimmer of hope of a place that the Browns can take advantage. So check out a reminder. We are going to have Brownie Bites, which is on the Bleacher app, which is my dude, Matt. We always do this every single week. He hosts it. I answer some questions. We would love users to join us and interact it's a really great app that I think you guys would enjoy. You can use your cell phone camera to come in and ask questions. A really, really neat environment set up there. So join us on the Bleacher app for what's called a show called Brownie Bites. Okay, so check that out. Your Wednesday evening. We'll have another podcast up for your Thursday game day podcast edition where we'll break things down, talk for about 15 to 20 minutes with Brad Ward about the game, get you ready for it. It's a night game. Hopefully things start panning out. Browns have to win this game. This is the first must-win game of 2021 for me. You know, they they cannot go to three and four, go into the division play, and 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 really feel so down on themselves, right, about this whole thing. Some of it's out of their control, some of it's not, but they have to, they've got to win a home game right here when their back's against the wall. And Denver will be hungry too because they feel like they have to win this game after starting three and zero and then dropping three straight. So they they don't want that feeling as well, and they are hungry to prove that Arizona, you know, can can, can prove some, Arizona did prove some weaknesses in Cleveland to go come here back against the wall on a Thursday short week. Again, how do the Browns respond? It'll be very interesting to to, to keep track of, and will tell us a lot about where this group can go in 2021. So thanks again to Joe Rolls for following us. Please make sure you check out his content. I will be joining him on his podcast also on Wednesday night. So you can check that out there if you would like to, the Cover 2 podcast that they do for the Broncos. So thanks for joining today's show. Appreciate all your support as usual. Check out that Twitch replay on my timeline if you would like to see more about quarterback play, O-line play, and defense. It's all there for you. Appreciate all your support again. And we sign off with our usual Go Browns.